Well, hi everyone. I'm Tim, uh, Tim Jones, and we're going to read through this passage today. We're going to go through it and consider what God has to say to us. But before we do that, why don't we pray together? Let's pray, shall we, wherever you are. Lord God, thank you so much for your word and the way that you speak to us. And we pray today that through your precious word, you would indeed speak. You do it through me, God, and all our hearts and our ears would be open to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the Apostle Paul, who wrote our passage today, he was a remarkable man of God. He was used by God to preach the gospel, to plant churches, to raise up leaders. There were signs, wonders, and miracles through his ministry. But he knew something amazing. He knew that God didn't just work in his strength, but in his weakness. And he knew this despite the fact that God used him in such power and that God really clearly spoke to him. In the reading we've just had that Roe gave to us, he describes being given amazing revelations from God. God speaking, to, God speaking to him so clearly and even seeming to give him visions of heaven. Just imagine if you heard the audible voice of God or if you had a powerful ministry like Paul. Imagine if God gave you such incredible visions of paradise. Wouldn't it be easy to think too much of yourself? That could have been the danger for Paul, absolutely, to get puffed up. He could have thought, God uses me, God speaks to me. I am Paul of the surpassingly great revelations. But Paul didn't become proud because God did something for him. God did some profound work in him. We see this in verse 7. Paul writes, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul was pierced for a purpose. To keep Paul humble and totally dependent on Christ's power, God permitted something from Satan to torment Paul. Now, it's not totally clear what the thorn in the flesh is, but it's clear that God allowed something that would weaken Paul so that he might not become proud. And Paul prays for it to be taken away. In fact, he prays for it three times, but God doesn't do it. And God teaches Paul the lesson that every Christian, every follower of Jesus needs to hear and know. The thing we all need to know. God says this to Paul, this wonderful promise. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The great wonder of the Christian gospel is that through the all-sufficient grace of God, his power is not perfected, it is not completed, it is not magnified, it is not brought forth in strength, but in weakness. In other words, you don't have to have everything together for God to use you and for God to save you. God does give us gifts. He does give us strengths. He uses those. But his power is most perfectly displayed, not when we are strong, but when we are weak. Now, when Paul is talking about weaknesses, he describes facing these things in verse 10. He talks about facing insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. So as he's describing weaknesses, he's talking about the external and internal circumstances of his life and our lives that can be really challenging. And amazingly, he says, it's when we face things like that, things that make us weak, God's power can be most perfectly displayed. And let's be honest, hasn't this been a time, a year, a season, when we are facing 
things that might make us weak. We might say that personally. We might even say it today as a church as we cannot meet together. But because God's grace is perfected in weakness, that means our hardships, our difficulties, our brokenness, our weakness, the year of 2020 even, our pain has a purpose. Your weakness has a purpose. God works in your weakness. He has purposes for it. And we're going to consider those purposes today. God, Paul lists, God does list them, but Paul does it as well. Paul lists four weaknesses, four purposes rather. I'm messing up here. God has four purposes for you through your weakness. And we're going to go through them together today. And hopefully I'll get it right and all the things I'm going to say. So firstly, God's purpose for your weakness is that your weaknesses would keep you humble. Paul writes this in verse 7. He said, to keep me from being conceited. And just as God taught Paul the lesson, uh, Paul the lesson of not becoming conceited, so God can purpose our weaknesses to do exactly the same thing. Now, this doesn't mean that every challenge we face in our lives and every situation where we come up against that something is hard is sent by God from the enemy to distract us and take us away from God. That isn't true. But since God is interested in our holiness and not just our happiness, he wants us to grow in humility and he wants us to trust him. Following Jesus is all about us becoming less and him becoming more. This doesn't mean we hate ourselves or debase ourselves, but rather, in light of how amazing God is, we don't think too much of ourselves. God doesn't want his children to be prideful, but to be totally reliant on him. When I'm researching for my sermons, I often like to listen to other people so I can borrow um, in a very holy way from what they say to to find inspiration and to help me out. And I was searching for this uh, passage on YouTube and I came across this sermon. It was based precisely on our reading. And this was the title, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. You are worthy. And I immediately wanted to ask if the person who'd come up with this talk had read the same passage as me. And I don't say that to shame, you know, a brother or sister in Christ. I bring up that to say that in this passage, God wants us to learn the exact opposite. We are not worthy. We are not worthy of the love of God. We are sinful, we are broken, we are imperfect, and we need help. But Jesus Christ is worthy, worthy to receive all power and praise. And in his grace, the one who is worthy gives unworthy people his strength when they are weak. He moves in power when we are powerless. And God wants us to grow in our knowledge of our total dependence on him. He wants us to grow in humility because it is then that we'll continually turn to God in the humility of prayer and say, God, I cannot possibly do this in my own strength. He wants us to know our limits, but his wonderful power. And God will even use our weaknesses and the challenges, the things that we face to bring us to that place. Let's take the example of relationships. God has called us to share his love with other people. But a weakness of ours might be that actually, you know, we have the challenge of showing the love of God to a particular person or in a particular relationship. We find that incredibly difficult. You know, we might struggle to love someone in our life the way that God has called us to. This could be a colleague or a friend, maybe even someone closer to us. A particularly challenging relationship might be obvious this Christmas time, as we spend time with family. Now, if there is someone like that in your life, if that is a challenge for you, let God grow you. 
Give him that weakness and say, in humility, God, I cannot perfectly love this person as you love me. I don't have the grace or the patience, frankly, or whatever it is to do so. God, would you help me? God, would you help me love them? And as we do that, our weaknesses are an opportunity for the provision of God to shine through in our lives because they keep us humble and they keep us reliant on the one who loves us perfectly. Your weaknesses have a purpose. God wants to grow you in humility. But also, your weakness magnifies God's power. He writes, Paul writes this in verse 9. He says, Christ's power is made perfect in weakness. This doesn't mean that our sin brings glory to God. Rather that our weakness is the place where God's power might be clearest in our lives. Paul says God's power is made perfect in weakness. And it's like our weaknesses therefore are like a magnifying glass. And as we hold them up to God, God becomes bigger and his power becomes more wonderful. Just think, when God does something that only he can do in your life or in someone else's, maybe you've heard a story where it could only be God that answers that prayer or brings that breakthrough or whatever it is. What happens? We often turn to worship. We go, wow, God, thank you so much. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You did that thing. Thank you, God. God gets the glory when we turn to him in our weakness and he moves in power. Weaknesses can be like a magnifying glass for the power of God. Now, of course, that's just one illustration to show what, the, what it means to say that the power of God is made perfect in weakness. But the best illustration, the best way it's understood is the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became a man and took on our weakness and then died on a cross in weakness and shame and darkness, taking our sin upon him in our place so that we might know salvation. The gospel, the power of God to save sinful humanity was displayed, it was perfected in the apparent weakness of the cross of Jesus Christ. And receiving what God has done for us on the cross is actually received in weakness and not strength. As God says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And following Jesus begins when we believe in him and repent and say, God, I am weak and I cannot possibly save myself. God, I am not sufficient, but I know that your grace is sufficient for me. And at that moment of repentance and faith, that moment of seeming weakness, God's power is perfected as we are born again. But hear this. The Christian life begins in weakness and it's meant to continue in weakness as we continually turn to God and say, I cannot help myself. I cannot save myself. Would your power help and save me? Help me in this life. Would my whole life be the place where you shine through even in my brokenness? But how often do we forget that? I wonder if you've ever broken down in a car and needed help. Thankfully, I've never done that, but I did manage to do the wonderful thing of filling up a car with the wrong kind of fuel. Now, the worst thing about this is I was borrowing the car, and it was a petrol car, and I managed to fill it up with diesel. And it was a horrible call, as I had to call up the owner and say, I'm really sorry. And I had to get a person to come and help me, and he, uh, he pumps the fuel out, and they put more in. And I think it cost something like £300 to do that, and then I had to pay for fuel twice. I really don't recommend that you do this. It's not a fun way to spend a rainy... February evening, which is what I had to do. Now, after that was all done, after it helped me out, I was there in the car, and I remember turning to the man who had just helped me, and I said, don't worry, I'll take it from here. I mean, I clearly shouldn't have been allowed a car at this point. 
obviously don't know what to do with it. But I said, don't worry, I'll take it from here. And I wonder if we do that with the Christian life. The Christian life begins in weakness, but God comes along and he saves us, he rescues us. But how often do we view God like the mechanic who's given us a bump start and then we turn to him and say, don't worry, Lord, I've got this from here. I'll take it from now. And the Christian life begins like that, but how often do we forget that? Or how often do we only come to God when things go horrendously wrong and say, oh God, I can't save myself. And then immediately go, don't worry, Lord, I'll take it from here. But Jesus says to us, my grace is sufficient for you, not just for one saving moment or for the big crises in your life, but for every moment of your life. The purpose of your weakness is to magnify God's greatness in your whole walk with him. So can I encourage you, every time you feel weak, every time you face a challenge, turn to God that his power might be displayed in your life. Don't be someone who says, God, I'll take it from here, but continually turn to him and say, God, you take it from here. Would my whole life be in your hands? Your weakness as a purpose, for your humility, for God's power to be made clear, but also your weakness invites God's power to rest on you. It invites the power of God in your life. Paul says this in verse nine, therefore I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. God taught Paul the lesson that embracing where we are not strong creates the environment for the power of God to come for the power of the Holy Spirit to be resting on us. Because God doesn't just want to work in you, but he wants to work through you. Paul knew this. Paul knew the power of God. When he's talking about the power of God, he means this. He writes this in verse 12, just after our reading. He said, I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. When Paul is talking about the power of God resting on him, He's talking about the power of God for signs, wonders, and miracles. Healings, raising the dead, miraculous provision, prophetic words, power for preaching that brings salvation to many. Now, for many of us, those things might feel far off in our walk with God. We might think God would never use me for such things. In fact, some of us might think God actually isn't in the business of doing these things anymore. Or we're just not sure. Well, thankfully, that isn't the case God still wants his power to rest on you so that he can work through you. But the way into that, the way the thing that creates the environment for that is not you working in your strength, but to humbly declare our own weaknesses. This is to our comfort because we're all weak and therefore God can work through all of us. For instance, you might say, I am not good at talking to my friends and family about Jesus. It is a weakness of mine. I don't know what to say. I'm worried that I'll cause offense. I'm worried that I don't have all the answers to what they'll ask me. Well, amazingly, it's as we embrace a weakness like that that we actually can make ourselves available to be used by God. That's because that's the place where we say, God, I can't possibly do this in my own strength. Your power needs to work now in my weakness. And God promises that he will He promises that his power will rest on you. God wants to use you to share Jesus with those you know and with people you meet, even in weakness. I love this story of John Stott. John Stott was a very influential preacher and pastor and author in the 20th century. 
And he shares this story from 1958, where he went across to Sydney, Australia, to a university mission. And on the day before the final meeting of that mission, he received the tragic news that his father had died. His father had been ill and passed away. And then in addition to his grief, John Stott had fallen really seriously ill, and he could barely speak. But he, he thought it was too late in the day, and he couldn't possibly pull out now. Now, just before he was get up, going to get up to speak, he went to the students who were helping him, and he said, can you pray these verses over me? Can you please pray over me that my grace is sufficient for you, that my strength is perfected in weakness? He said, can you pray that that would be true of my experience? He describes what it was like to give the sermon that he gave. He said, I was preaching about the broad and narrow ways from Matthew 7. He says, I couldn't even get within half an inch of the microphone. I couldn't use inflections in my voice. He said, I croaked the gospel in a monotone. But when the time came to give the invitation for people to give their lives to God, people flocked forward more than at any other time during that meeting. And then he says this. He says, I've been back to Australia about 10 times since 1958. And on every occasion, somebody has come up to me and said, do you remember that final meeting in the university in the Great Hall when you lost your voice? And he says, I jolly well do. Well, they say, I was converted that night. I love that story. Every time, what are, the, what are the chances? Every time John Stott went back, he met someone who became a Christian through one of the weakest deliveries of a sermon he had ever given. What are the chances he would meet them? In John Stott's weakness, God's power was displayed. God's strength was at work. Now, there is no doubting it. John Stott was a remarkable man of God. But God doesn't just use notable, famous Christians. He wants to use you and he wants to use me. He wants to use all of us. He wants his power to rest on all of us. And in his grace, God intends that it is through weakness that he will do that. It is your weakness that can become the place where God's power is going to be so at work as you embrace what you can't do in your own strength, but what God can do in his. Your weakness has a purpose. God, your weakness keeps you humble. Your weakness magnifies God's power. Your weakness invites God's power to rest on you. And finally, your weakness is the place of God's strength. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, says Paul, then I am strong. Paul had learned the secret that we all need to know. He says, I will boast gladly, happily about my weaknesses. In fact, he says, I will even delight in them. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, God is my strength. When I am weak, God's strength will carry me and work through me. We all need to know this. I certainly do. I was ordained last year in the Church of England. And it's a long process to get there. And I had a two-year process of discernment, which is a whole series of interviews, and you read books, and you have meet with people, and basically you submit your own sense of calling to people and say, this is what I'm about, what do you think? And it was going quite well for me. I, every, every step I was going through it, people were affirming me and saying, yeah, we think this is the right thing, well done, keep going, until I got to the meeting with my bishop. 
And you have to, as part of the process, you have to meet with the bishop and he has to give his approval for you to keep going. And to my total surprise, the bishop said, no. Everybody had been affirming me to that point, but he said, no. After a very brief meeting. And it was confusing and it was challenging because it totally took me by surprise and I didn't know what to do next. Now, what it meant in practice is that I didn't actually go on to train for another year and a half. But what God in his grace began to undo in me in that time was my sense that I was qualified because of my gifts. Basically, I thought I was the right person to put myself forward to be a vicar because of all the things I thought I could do. But God is so gracious that he gave me a period where he began to show me that it wasn't my abilities that qualified me. It wasn't the gifts I thought I had. It was my availability. And that was a phrase I heard that perfectly summed it up. It wasn't my abilities, but it was my availability. It was me simply saying, God, yes, I choose to follow you, even in all my weakness. And maybe like me, some of you listening today need to know that it is just your yes said to God in weakness that is the place of his strength. Because maybe you've written yourself off from God using you in any significant way because of your weakness, because of your addiction, your repeated failure, because of your struggle to pray, your struggle to get to grips with the Bible. Maybe it's your struggle to love people perfectly. Maybe it's your struggle to forgive people who have hurt you. Maybe it's because of your anxiety, whatever it is. But it is in the place of weakness that God wants to use you Yes, he wants to heal you. Yes, he wants to set you free. But don't wait until you feel sorted before you let him use you. He wants to use you now and he promises that he will heal you on the way. This is what Paul meant when he writes earlier in our letter, that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are just weak, cracked pots But God in his grace, his all-sufficient grace, shines through the cracks. His power is at work when we're weak because his strength is there. Know today that even if you feel weak, God draws close to you. There might be some of us today, you feel especially weak at the moment. Because of what we face this year maybe, or maybe nothing to do with the circumstances this year. Maybe as you look at next year, you feel weak. And you feel like God is far away from you. But remember that it is in the place of your weakness that God draws close to you. God drew close to Paul. He drew close to Paul when he pleaded with God to take away his weakness. And God wants to do the same thing to you today as you cry out to him. If you feel weak, God says to you today, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Know that today God is working in your weakness. Know today that God has purposes even for your weakness. He wants to keep you humble. He wants to magnify his power through you. Your weakness is a place that invites the power of God on your life. Your weakness is the place of God's strength. And therefore, would you be the kind of person that says with total confidence in Jesus, your saviour, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Will you be that kind of person who says that today?